solo mente. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to a Friday episode of Locked On Texans, your daily Texans talking news podcast. As always, I am John, some sports guy Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. This NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, Locked On's NFL Ultimate Season Preview is taking you through every team in every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Tune in beginning August 30th. And on this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, hey, as we do every single week, we have our brother, our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. And on this Friday installment, we are going to discuss with Brandon. We're going to get his thoughts on which players are on the verge of getting released. And of course, we're going to get his thoughts on what he will be looking for during the Texans preseason finale against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And listeners, that is where John and I are going to get this Friday installment of Locked On Texans kicked off. And for me, it's plain and simple. What I will be looking for on tomorrow is whether or not the improvements we have been seeing with this defense is for real. Because with the Super Bowl defending champions coming to Houston, especially considering that they're going to be going up against Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, this is going to be the Texans' biggest test in order to see whether or not the improvements we have been seeing since OTAs and training camp and in these first two preseason games are real. And speaking of the first two preseason games, this is a defense that has held the Packers and the Cowboys to a combined 12 points per game. They have held their own against the rush by only giving up an average of 72 rushing yards. And of course, the biggest story surrounding the Texans defense is the seven takeaways that they was able to record. Four of those came by the way of interceptions. But John and listeners, just like I mentioned on Monday, yes, the defense has looked good. Yes, the defense has looked great. And yes, this defense has looked phenomenal. But you got to remember that this is a defense that did not go up against Aaron Rodgers, Dak, Zeke, and given the weird situation that's going on with Deshaun Watson, this is a defense that does not have an opportunity to go up against one of the league's best quarterback in Deshaun Watson during practice. And this isn't just me talking. The Texans are aware that, yes, their defense has looked great, but they still have not gone up against top-tier talent. On yesterday, Justin Reed actually spoke on this, and he said, yes, the defense has confidence, and yes, the defense has played solid throughout training camp and their first preseason games, but they are aware that they haven't played up against a starting caliber quarterback, especially one as good, as great as Tom Brady. Yeah, man, and you know what? You hit it right on the nail, Cody, but for me, I got to be honest with you, I'm very much more confident in this defense this year than I am in the offense simply because – I got to see Tyrod Taylor play more than we've seen him in the preseason. I'm going to tell you why. Because if he is not the answer, then Houston – I can't wait for you guys – let me say this. I can't wait for you guys to listen to 
the ultimate crossover division. You know, like we 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 had to listen to locked on Titans, locked on Jags, locked on uh, Colts, and they all don't think Houston is where we may project them to be. And the Colts had us going 0-17. Oh, and he gave us one game, if that, right? So seeing what Tyrod Taylor can do in a half of football against a Buccaneers team that had a pretty good defense, that's very important for me, Cody. I'm going to tell you why. If he's not good, if he's not going to be able to cut it consistently, and one half of preseason ain't going to, you know, really determine yay or nay on that, but one half of a preseason game will get you to the right direction of where your understanding should or could be. But if he's not the answer for this team, which all things considered, the answer for this team just ain't playing right now, number four. But if he's in trouble, then this team is in trouble. Mills and Driscoll are not going to be quarterbacks that can come in and and steal you a couple of games, I don't think, especially Jeff Driscoll. Mills is in his first year in the NFL. I don't expect for him to be that type of quarterback, right? I don't I don't expect Mills to be one of those Russell uh, – not Westbrook, sorry, Russell Wilson type of quarterbacks. And even still, Wilson needed a team around him to get to the point where he is now. So that's what I'm most looking forward to is seeing this offense led by Tyrod Taylor for more than what we've seen, more times than what we've seen before. And also, you know, hey, man. You guys, Tim Kelly, David Cully, they have put an emphasis on trying to still create the run and work out that run game for this offense, and they're still not able to get a push. Against the Green Bay Packers, you know, that was against fourth and third string players where you kind of know they're about to get cut, and you got off a couple of good runs against the Dallas Cowboys. You only had, what, 90 yards, 80 yards, something along those lines. It's not that good. So we got to see what that's going to be like because I'm, I'm going to be real. If this team is not able to go out and run the ball successfully more times than not, then they're in a world full of trouble. I don't want this team to be a 35, 40 passes a game type of team. I don't think that they will win that way. I think if – if Houston is in a situation where the quarterback has to throw 30 to 40 times in the game, then you're looking at a team that's probably fighting their way back into the game, and that's their only hope. Phillip Lindsay, who we've all we've all loved since he got to town, the younger back, the more explosive back, and we got to see some of that. Mark Ingram, the one cut back that's going to get his nose in the dirt, uh, get skinny, make some make some plays when you need him in short yard, yardage. We're going to see some of that. And honestly, yo, David Johnson, are you worth keeping around or are we going to give Scotty Phillips that chance? So you're looking at the defense. I'm looking at the offense. And overall, I think it goes without saying, Cody, David Cully. Let's see him coach his starters. When you, when you, when you coach second or third string or fourth string type of guys, the expectation is low. All right, because some of those guys may still be trying to get a grasp of the NFL. We get it. We understand. But now you're going to be coaching your first and second string players. And with these new cornerbacks that were brought in, how is this depth going to play out? Kelly has spoke to the media and said that those two guys may be able to play this Saturday. And Rasul Douglas, who was brought in, 
uh, early in the week. They also traded for Kadar Holman. He said there's a possibility that they may play. So we're going to see how that works out in terms of depth. Is this a strong position now that you believe in? A lot of things to look forward to, but you like the defense. I like the offense. What will we find out coming out of Saturday's game? Did you know Bill Barr has nine delicious flavors, many delicious flavors, actually? There's something for everyone. If you don't know about the Bill Barr flavors, you're missing out on flavors like raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, and German chocolate for you lovers out there, you chocolate lovers. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box and you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bill Barr flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Bars come in with 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Order today and get that grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever flavor you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to built.com, use promo code locked on, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with this Friday installment of Locked On Texans. And hey, as promised, we got our boy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my man? Oh, man, not too much, man. I'm kind of got mixed emotions about training camp being over with. On the one hand, you know, I'm glad we don't have to go out there in the heat every day. But at the same <laughs> time, I, I was just getting real used to kind of used to the workflow. So um, and, and being out there and, you know, Access is different too, so mm-hmm. I'm not uh I'm I'm not looking forward to to getting limited access as opposed to or or less access as opposed to what we've been had. But I'm doing pretty good, man. Ready for this game Saturday? <laughs> yes, sir. And um, speaking of training camp, on yesterday, you and I started to engage in an interesting conversation about players that could be on the bubble of making a 53 man roster, and that's what I want to bring you back on this show for because. You mentioned that you can see a a possibility that the Texans could release either David Johnson, Whitney Merciless, or Shaq Lawson. Now, before I give the floor over to you, I know during our um conversation, you and I was talking about the possibility of the cap hit. How much of the cap hit do those three players have? David Johnson has a cap hit of 4.7 million. Whitney Merciless, he has the biggest cap hit of 8.6 million. And Shaq Lawson has a cap hit of 3.2 for this year. But unlike David Johnson and Whitney Merciless, he has an extra year on his contract. So, Brandon, picking up where we left off, why do you think the Texans should, or why do you believe there is a possibility the Texans could move on from either one of these three guys? I mean, I think it's, it's strictly performance-based, right? I mean, the the financial implications are there. You just laid it out. And those are, if those are the most compelling reasons for keeping the guys on the team, then – you kind of answer the question there, you know, like the reason why we're keeping them is because they they're owed a lot of money or because it'd be expensive to get rid of them. Like I totally get it. And, you know, when I was out there with you talking about this, I said that I could see them keeping all three, but I could see them getting rid of all three or and, and at the very least one of them. Right. You know, cause we're at the point now, David Johnson at best is going to be their third running back. Shaq mm-hmm. Lawson is in the game into the fourth quarter, not getting into the game until the second half. You know, Whitney Merciless 
I think we've talked about Whitney Merciless quite a bit at this point. He's, he's the, you know, at this point, the guy that we've seen the most of and know the most about. So I think that if I had to pick one, that David Johnson would be the one that they, that they wouldn't keep because out of the three, he's probably, and I hate to say it like this because he's such a nice guy, but he's probably the least useful out of the three. Um, because I think that Shaq Lawson and Whitney Merciless can help you along the defensive line just in terms of depth. I'm not sure how much, I'm not sure what it is that David Johnson does that you can't exactly get out of somebody else or somewhere else. Like I, I know we talk about how well he catches it out of the backfield and that, you know, that he's good in space and that he's a good receiver for a running back, but he's not that doggone good for, for as far as that's concerned to be keeping him along just because he's a running back who can catch, you know, like I, I just don't see it. So, I mean, I don't see what he can do that you can't have, you know, Rex Burkhead do or something that you can't get out of your tight ends and your, uh, you know, if anything, if there's anything that would save David Johnson and this is quiet as kept, I don't feel like he gets enough credit for this, but it's pass protection. David Johnson is actually really good in pass pro. And I'm just not sure if that is enough to keep him around if everybody else is good at it too. So um, I could see any of these guys being cut, man, and strictly based off of performance. They're not that good. They're not that good. <laughs> so that's the reason. Yeah, and, you know, out of these three, I would say I could see David Johnson getting moved only because, Brandon, to your point, you mentioned that you could find other players to do the same thing as well. You know, I'm, I'm actually writing um, – five players who can actually use a breakout game on Saturday in order to improve their chances of making a 53-man roster. And one of the guys that I'm looking at is Scotty Phillips. And Phillips can actually be more useful for the Texans in their run game more so than David Johnson. But on the flip side of that, I don't know if Nick Casario and the Texans will be willing to take a 4.7 day cap hit when they release Johnson. So Brandon, moving on from these three guys, who are some of the other players that you are looking at who are on the bubble of making this 53 man roster? There are, there are a few. And I think that, you know, I, I know we moved, we moved on from Shaq Lawson, but he's the one that stands out to me the most simply because of the trade, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the fact that, you know, you traded Bernard McKinney. That's a guy that they were probably going to cut anyway. But when they made that trade, I feel like a lot of us thought that Shaq Lawson might turn out to be, if not their top pass rusher, you know, maybe their Agreed. top one or two at the worst third best pass rusher. Mm -hmm. And now here we are having this conversation about how he might not make the team. So, uh, so that's, that's, that to me is very, very interesting. And, uh, another one along the defensive line that we did not mention that I'm keeping an eye out for is Demarcus Walker. I feel like he's made some plays, but there are other guys that might stand out at that position a little bit more that uh, that they might go with. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that could be one to to look out for. Oh, Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll <laughs> is one. He's been the worst player in camp. Yes, he has, and I agree with that. He's been the worst, he's been the worst player in the camp. He is absolutely on the bubble. Let me tell you this: he's either if he's not cut out right and not brought back, I mean, he's going to get cut anyway and be put on that practice. He's going to be on that practice squad. Mm -hmm. You know, the question, the question to me is not if he gets cut, is if that's going to be your, your, your practice squad quarterback. Who is the backup quarterback actually going to be? Because the thought going into camp was that, hey, let's see if Davis Mills can beat out Jeff Driscoll for the backup quarterback job. And if he does, 
that's a good sign for Davis Mills. Well, that's kind of half true now because we do feel like he's beat out Jeff Driscoll for the backup job. And there have been things about Davis Mills that we have liked, but at the same time, he, anybody, it seems like, any competent person would have beat out this guy, Jeff Driscoll. So it, 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 the fact that Davis Mills looks, looks like the better option at backup quarterback, to me, is just as much about Jeff Driscoll not looking like the option at backup as much as it is about Davis Mills. So to that point, my question would be, do you bring in, you know, at what point do you bring in another quarterback and you just go ahead and say bye to Jeff Driscoll? Because you talk about guys who are not useful at all on this team. That's a guy whose usefulness I don't see at all. Um, I mentioned I mentioned Jonathan Grenard. I don't think he's going to get cut. I just don't think he's all the way safe. You know, it's a crowded defensive line. And if we go back to the points that we were making earlier about the money that's owed to guys like Whitney Merciless and Shaq Lawson, if they decide that those bullets are too big to bite, then I think Jonathan Grenard could, could easily be the casualty. Because, I mean, I like Jonathan Grenard. I like him coming out of Florida. But, you know, it, it's we, we've seen this already, where they've cut ties with some of these early draft picks that were not theirs, or at least at the very least were not Nick Casario's picks. And so I think that he'd be less married to the idea of Jonathan Grenard, uh, Nick Casario, I'm saying, would be less married to the idea of Jonathan Grenard than he would be to the idea of biting the bullet from that money that you would have to bite in cutting Whitney Merciless and or Shaq Lawson. So that's another one. And the fact that he got hurt doesn't help. I mean, when people think that, you know, injury should not cost you your job, it absolutely does. We've seen it over and over time and time again throughout the league. So I think that that could hurt him. That's somebody to look out for. I would be disappointed if he got cut because I'd like to see more of him. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that's somebody else that I would keep an eye on. And and I would even say a little bit worried about um, getting uh, getting cut. Brandon, really quick before moving on, you know, you mentioned Davis Mills. What have been some of your impressions about Davis Mills so far, um, not only throughout training camp, but through the two preseason games? Yeah, so I like his arm. I like his arm, and I think he's more accurate than what his numbers have shown. Like mm-hmm. some of the balls, like remember we were saying, we said this last week, that he made the hard plays look easy and the easy plays look hard. You know, I think that that's fine. You know, I, I don't have any doubt that he can hit, you know, that he can hit a guy on the screen just directly uh, parallel to him, like when he missed Kikuchi in the dirt that first week. And, you know, when you go back and look at his dropbacks, the guy, is, the guy looks like he's got a decent arm that he's pretty accurate. I think that it's just going to be more so about the game slowing down a little bit for him and him just getting those reps. I think that's really what he needs. Now, I still don't think that his potential is much far beyond, you know, decent level backup, you know, possible plug and play starter. You know, I, I guess the pipe dream for Davis Mills is that he could be a Kirk Cousins type. I don't see it yet, but, I don't have a lot of complaints with, with Davis Mills. All of the things that have been problematic to me have been things that are fixable. Um, and when you watch him throw the ball, like today, for example, or I should say, when was it? Was it Wednesday or Thursday? Yeah, it was, th- it was Thursday when we were out there watching them sort of try to throw the ball into the trash can, try to throw the football into the trash can. Even Nick Casario jumped in and tried to have a little fun. Pep <laughs> Hamilton as well. Pep Hamilton, you know, so, so they jumped into the fray. But I don't feel like anybody got as close as Davis Mills did. Nobody was as pinpoint 
and, and I know that's not actual game action. It's not the thing to evaluate him on. But if you're just looking at accuracy, looking at the arm, Davis Mills, to me, was the best one in that drill. That's a small sample and just a small antidote of the arm. But I've been fine with him. You know me. I said this from the beginning. I didn't have a lot of expectations of the guy to begin with. So it was going to be real hard for him to disappoint me. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest 200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Betting on the Houston Texans, Dallas Cowboys, or the NFL, period, doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Best podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Best podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. And before we close out this Friday installment of Locked On Texans, of course, as always, we have with us Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, the final preseason game, what are some of the intangibles that you are looking forward to seeing for this final game? For me personally, as I mentioned in the first segment, it's the defense because this defense has looked great no matter if it was OTAs, training camp, and of course through the first two preseason games. But like I keep mentioning, on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage, the best quarterback that they have played against has been Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, their own quarterback, their own quarterback, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I was going to point that out that they have the defense has been impressive, but in a lot of ways, it hasn't been truly tested. And I think Justin Reed might have been the one speaking to this Mm -hmm. on Thursday when he spoke with the media after practice that they did not see a true starting quarterback in those first two games. And they're going to go from that to the goat. They're going to go from (laughs) to the goat to the goat. So, how you love that? How you love zero to 100 real quick like that? Because (laughs) This will not be, and I, I, you know, Jordan Love, fine. You know, hopefully it works out for him after Aaron Rodgers. But that, that ain't Aaron Rodgers, and that show ain't Tom Brady, right? Mm-hmm. And then they out, they went out there and ate against Ben DiNucci. Let me tell you what Ben DiNucci ain't. I ain't got to tell y'all that. Y'all know better. So look, this is gonna be real fun for the defense, but it's not even the defense I'm most looking forward to because they have at least given me some confidence, right? Like I can believe in, if I don't necessarily believe in all of Every like necessarily everything, I believe in the mentality and approach that they've taken, right? Like this whole you know, a lot has been made about the four three system, you know, going to a Tampa two, four three, a lot of a lot of cover two, you know, a lot of zone and all of that. Well, I'm more focused on the mentality of the defense and can appreciate the fact that they are going into the game being very, very intentional about getting the ball back and scoring even scoring the ball and at the very least getting the ball back to the offense. But the biggest thing I'm concerned about is the offense. That's the thing I'm going to be most looking forward to because we've seen more and more of Tyrod Taylor. You know, we only saw him for, I believe, one series in the first uh, in the first game, and then we saw him for a few more in that second game against the Cowboys. David Cully has said all week that the plan is to have those same guys play all the way through the first half and possibly and hopefully 
the first part of the third quarter to see how they adjust to halftime. How do they make their second half adjustments? And quite honestly, quite honestly, I want to see that too. You know, I want to see how they make halftime adjustments. Um, they, I don't feel like the offense has necessarily been challenged all of that much. Certainly not to the level that they will be challenged against this Bucks defense, especially if those guys play their starters the way Bruce Arians has said they would. You know, you look at Green Bay, okay, fine. You look at Dallas, those guys didn't play their best defensive guys. If Tampa Bay does that, this is going to be the ultimate test for a unit that I think we've got a lot of questions about. You know, like mm -hmm. Tyrod Taylor, I'm fine with Tyrod Taylor. But obvious downgrade from Deshaun Watson, we're going to be very curious about how that works out. Obviously, Tim Kelly and – uh, Tim Kelly's still calling the plays, but he's got different influences between Pep Hamilton and David Cully being in the mix. So we're all interested to see how does that, you know, a question that I asked David Cully on Thursday was whether we would see the playbook open up a little bit mm -hmm. since they were going to play a little bit longer. Now he said that they would. Now he could obviously have been saying that just to not be too revealing. Right. So I'm interested in all of that. How does the, does the offensive playbook open up a little bit? Do they look any better? than they have in the in the previous games when we talk about run blocking. You know, a lot was made about them going 0 for 10 on third down um, last, you know, last week against the Cowboys. To me, that was more alarming than anything is because it was usually third and manageable and they still couldn't convert. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if they have addressed some of the mental errors that they had on third down. Have, have they addressed some of the issues that they had picking up blitzes? Can they run the ball? the way that they told us that they would, the identity of this team we've been told is going to be up front and in the backfield. Well, right now, that offensive line, not going to have Laramie Tunsil out there, still got guys who have been switching positions. Charlie Heck is in his second year and only plays sparingly toward the end of last year. Now he's going to be the right tackle, you know, lining up against guys like, you know, Shaq Barrett and, you know, you know God knows who else. So, like, this is going to be very interesting to see how this offense that, you know, we got a lot of questions about how are they going to respond to a defense that we just saw help Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been one of the little, one of the smaller things that I've start, come to enjoy about the games. I like watching Desmond King out there return kick. I'm going to continue to watch that and enjoy that and just be glad that what, what used to be there. Ain't there no more. Desmond King is starting to make me mad because I feel like every time he's back there for a return, it's like he's teasing us because every return, I think, in these first two preseason games, he's been averaging, what, 20 to 25 yards per return? Like, yeah. And I, I get so frustrated because I want him to get it back. But like you say, you know, we it's been a long time since the Texans had a very good special team unit. Or at least a, a returner. They've had, mm -hmm. like, their, their special teams – as a unit, did improve over the past couple of years, but what they never did get was a return man, which is the thing that stands out about the special team unit, right? Stands out most is who's returning the ball. So, so yeah, no, I'm I I feel like uh, Des with Desmond King, I feel what you're saying, but at the same time, I'll take the field position. <laughs> I'll take I'll take not fumbling. You know what I mean? So, so for right now, that's good. And and the fact that he's showing so much pop. And that he's averaging that, that to me just tells me that he's due. He's just one breakdown. He's one special teams breakdown, one missed assignment, missed block, mm -hmm. one major mistake on special teams from the opposing team 
he's just one of those away from breaking from breaking one away. Hmm. Um, Brandon, really quick before getting out of here, you know, you mentioned one of the things that you're looking forward to seeing on Saturday is the offense. Uh, with that said, how much faith do you actually have in Tyrod Taylor? Because I'm under the belief that, you know, given their quarterback situation, of course, is it's, it's it's not rocket science that he is a downgrade from um Deshaun Watson, but at the same time, he is one of, if not the best option for the Texans given their situation. And of course, we all know Davis Mills, project quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, terrible quarterback, and that's me putting it nicely. Um, how just how much faith do you actually have in Tyrod Taylor for this upcoming season? In his ability, I feel like we all know what he is, mm -hmm. right? So, so I, I've got plenty of faith in his ability if they coach it right. You know, my biggest thing and my fear with Tyrod Taylor would be health. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, knock on wood. I wish I wish health and wealth on everyone. So so that that's that's my my main concern more than performance and ability is I hope the guy stays healthy if that's going to be, you know, especially if, you know, the, the backup options are going to be guys like Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. You know, and, and Deshaun Watson's a non-factor. Well, then I, I need this guy to stay healthy, first and foremost. That's my biggest thing. As far as, like, ability and on the field, actual skill, I think a lot of that is going to come down to coaching. I think Tyrod Taylor can be just fine for you if you play to his strengths, and that's going to come down to coaching. I think Tyrod Taylor is smart enough to not try to do the things that he can't do, you know, or that he's not – that are not his strengths, you know. He seems to be very self-aware, which I appreciate. And if he's doing, you know, for the most part, dinking and dunking, handing the ball off, and, you know, using that athleticism when the plays break down, and if they incorporate a little bit here and there, some design runs here and there, and we get to see some of that athleticism that he has, I think he can be just fine. You know, I'm not down on Tyrod Taylor as – a quarterback, think about it like this, Cody. Before Deshaun Watson, okay, <laughs> before Deshaun Watson was the Texans quarterback, we would have been glad to get a Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> you know, we would have been happy to have Tyrod Taylor. Like in the years between Matt Schaub and Deshaun Watson, mm -hmm. Tyrod Taylor would have been just fine. I think now that we've been spoiled a little bit by Deshaun and we realize and understand this is going to be a clear downgrade from Deshaun. I think that's a little, you know, it's a little salty. It's a little, you know, it's a little bit of a buzzkill, if you will. So from that perspective, I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to there being a downgraded quarterback, but I do think that if they play to Tyrod's strengths, play to the strengths of the offense, I think it's important that they use these tight ends. Um, I think Farrell Brown and Jordan Akins really can be big for Tyrod. I think they can have big years. I'm really big on them, been big on that. You and me both. Um, I think, yeah, man, I think he can be just fine. It'll be when, it would be if Tyrod started trying to, you know, fit throws in the windows that he can't fit them in and trying to push it downfield further than what we feel like he's able to do um, would be when I would have the concern. But I feel like he's a safe quarterback. Um, that might not excite you, but he's also an athletic quarterback. So every now and then you might get to see him run here and there. So I'm, I'm fine with Tyrod. I'm disappointed. And obviously in the things that have happened over the last, you know, uh, 10 months, you know, eight to nine months or whatever it's been. But here we are. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm excited to watch.
Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, real quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? Follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter and also on Instagram. I'm at B. Scott from Hiram Clark. Don't forget the E at the end if you're not initiated. That's Hiram Clark with an E at the end. At B. Scott from Hiram Clark and at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. What about your podcast, man? Don't forget about the podcast. Oh, yeah, man. Well, for sure, y'all got to subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the B-Block podcast wherever you get your podcast. I'll let you, boy, if you like this one, you'll like that one. Y'all come holler at me, man. That's that's where to go, at uh, the B-Block podcast. And I'm Cody Davis, and this has been another installment of Locked On Texans. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And please be sure to follow Locked On Texans on all your favorite podcast streaming services. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.